Hello. Welcome to Like Trees Walking, the podcast where we talk about the most important things in life. I am Michael J. Nelson, and with me is the Reverend David Berkey. Wow, it's been a while, Dave. It's been it's been way too long. Your earbuds have not been together for That's too long. That's right. Our podcast listeners will not know this, but we've been on a hiatus, a break, a mostly accidental break. Yeah, I don't no, think we no, meant there was to no, do this. No, no. Just, uh, you know, so, what life. have you been doing in the inter? Let's catch up. Well, we, we introduced ourselves, right? Yeah, we, we did. We, you said you're Michael J. Nelson. I said I'm David Bergen. And, and do so, the people know why they're listening to this podcast? Did they li- just accidentally click on something and they're going, what is this? Who so are you? You're listening to this podcast because you're someone who is interested in the big questions of life and faith and theology and philosophy and culture, but you're also interested in having a smile on your face <laughs> whilst doing it. I like that we have, we have a new, like cut line for our show every time <laughs> we'll, we'll have to settle on this and get our branding down but no it's been a while and uh what's been going on with you well what, what's the something relevant stuff? something interesting has happened so um in uh two episodes ago now as you're listening to this i think it's episode 104 is called the aughts um and that's where we talk about kind of people who will say don't judge me man but then also like make their own strident moral claims at you well, something like this happened to me just the other day, Mike. Really? Yes. I assume you went up to someone and read them the riot act. Or no, 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 no. What? I was read the riot act. Oh, come so, on. Um, so our church was um, hosting a concert, just like a regular old, um, you know, concert, uh, indie uh, adult indie folk rock kind of uh, a wonderful <laughs> sure. night, wonderful sure. concert with yeah. uh, with some kind of in- very interesting talk rapping actually at the end of the night uh, that I won't go into. But anyway, why won't you go into it? Was, well, it, just, was it you? <laughs> it was me. It wasn't me going like because you do that, right? I do. I rap. I don't talk rap. I really rap. Oh, so I spit. Oh, there's a difference. There is. Yeah, talk rap is like there was a goat and a boat and the moat and the shoat. And real rapping is like I'm giving it. You know, you know, it's like got some. There, like it's got a little more like, like we won't belabor the point. But okay, but, so the the, so the first is more like sort of slam poetry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, so at the end of the show, and and so at this show we had had like you know just coffee and water hosted just for people to to drink. And anyways. After the show, everyone's clearing out. It was really, uh, it was a wonderful show, like very successful. The bands were great. Even the talk rapping, as weird as it was, was was really well done. Um, and so everyone's clearing out at the end of the night. And this woman is is at near the back table. And so she's like, oh, hi, is this your church? You know, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, here I am making a connection with someone who yes, had come to the show. Yes, we did it. It succeeded. The concert got someone interested. And... And then immediately she goes, she proceeds to hector me and harangue me about having that the, that the church had used styrofoam cups for the coffee. And so she's like, you know, you can't put those things in landfills. They never decompose. And what are you doing with that? Please do me a favor. Never use styrofoam cups again. And then she, she proceeds to, um, to shame me because there was individualized sugar packets in the back <laughs> that people could use. And so this is someone who I don't even know their name. I have just met them. And um, I am being evangelized in the way and, and morally shamed for uh, things like styrofoam cups and uh, having these little domino sugar packets that I am a, I have transgressed 
well, boundaries. This is going to be uncomfortable because uh, that was actually an agent of mine. This is an intervention <laughs> on your sugar pack usage, and I'm so sorry, but uh, that's what this whole podcast was about. It was to, you're, you have a problem with sugar packets, and we need to talk about this. What an elaborate ruse to get me to get rid of yeah, I know, it was packets. a lot of work for, no, for not a real But impact. I just thought, this is amazing. Like, you know, if I had come up to her and, you know, began lecturing her about something like that, you'd be like, hey, back off. Like, stop judging me, you know? Like, well, right. who are who you? Who are you to judge? So, you know, uh, there's this uh, organization called Young Life that does, like, yeah. youth ministry. Yeah. And they always talk about for adults, like, earning the right to, you know, tell someone about Jesus and kind of this re- relational evangelism thing, you know, so you don't just come up to a kid and be like, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah. And if you die tonight, you know, like that kind of a, that kind of approach is usually just extremely off-putting because it's like, you don't know me. But you it's don't... but it's okay for sugar packets. <laughs> it's okay for sugar packets as they pertain to the environment, which it's like this woman, it's, you know, I it, you could make us uh, definitely an argument against using styrofoam cups, but it's like, get to know me. Yeah. Before right. you do that, earn the right to shame me for having styrofoam cups. Well, I can only say this woman would have loved my grandmother, who was a product of the Great Depression, who would uh, reseal her half-used sugar packets at restaurants and lovingly tuck them back into <laughs> because... <laughs> Or she'd bring them home and put them in her purse, and it would be like, "Well, I don't want this to go to waste." That's and, uh, you know, that's so she would have liked that. It was a it was a good use of that. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have a lot to get through today, so let's let the audience know what we have. Okay. We, uh, we are going to tackle one of the biggest questions of life. Okay. It may or may not relate to sugar packets or uh, styrofoam cups, and then we have a new quiz format Ooh. coming up. Uh, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, we've done the lightning round in the past. This is going to be a variation on it. Okay. But it should be fun. Okay. And uh, also a musical surprise. I can't say more than that. I'm just going to tease it. You with are that. teasing. It's you're, a musical, you're a wonderful tease. It's a musical uh, surprise. And it relates to our main question, which is one of the biggest ones. This is like a question that I think when I did my cursory research on it and my knowledge of reaching back is one of the biggest problems that has, uh, and one of the longest running discussions in all of Christian history and all of uh, theology, which is, I think it can be stated, it's called the problem of evil. It's kind of a formal thing. And the question goes like this. You say... You, Dave Berge, pastor, yes. say that God is, is all good and he's all powerful, correct? Yes. Yep. And, and yet, evil exists in the world. So wouldn't an all-powerful God, if he was also all good, just eliminate all evil? He's There still is evil, so he hasn't done that. Therefore, he is not either good or powerful. Yeah. Is that am I stating or, it correctly? I think so. Or the other option is then it then this God doesn't exist. Right. You know, that that's kind of like the if you accept that God exists, but you know, these two things can't be true, so you either have to have a weak God or a, a semi like malevolent God, or guess what? You have no God, I think is and that's really where you end up. Is either there's something deficient about God or that there is no God that exists at all. Right, because I think it's stated in a maybe, a, I, I don't want to, a less sophisticated way, or just sort of a, a colloquial way of saying, um, I just can't believe in a God when I see 
that there was a hurricane that wiped out, you know, 10,000 people in this remote location. I cannot believe in the guy. It's sort of stating it in yes, a different way. Yes, That's sort of a, yeah, a popular absolutely. way to state it. Absolutely. So what do we do about that? Yeah, I think... The problem of evil. The problem of Upper evil. caps. It is. And I think that evil is, the existence of evil is the, you know, it's the biggest problem. Really, probably the biggest, like, existential or experiential problem where people look at the world and they see things evil that happen, you know, um, uh, like the tsunami happens in 2004 and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people die and, you know, innocent um, children are killed by this and it's absolutely heartbreaking and you say, how could something, you know, as evil on this scale or as wrong on this scale happen in a world that has been created and is overseen by, by a good God? Um, and so I just want to add that at the first say, I think that there's a real moral sensitivity in, in wrestling with the problem of evil. And if you haven't wrestled with the problem of evil, um, you know, I, I just don't think you're taking life or, or human existence very seriously. That, that, that there is a real, um, there's a real value in having struggled and struggled with this. And I would say like, there's a, there's a, a couple things about it. I mean, I think first, um, there is something sometimes a bit sick and perverse about people who kind of take a, a, a glee in really bad things happening and then saying like, see, there can't be a God because this horrible thing happened. Um, that, that, that is a, a really an icky response to things like that. And sort of using that as just one more sort of quiver in your arrow against, um, against faith. And I want to say that for me, fundamentally, well, Evil is a, is a profound challenge to faith in a good and, and powerful God, um, the God of Scripture. It is actually like the fact that we are so bothered and so troubled by evil, I think is one of the, it's actually like not a problem f for faith in the sense we think it is, in that it's actually one of the strongest, I think, pieces of evidence that there is such a God who has created us in his image, that we recoil so harshly from these events. Because if there, you know, if there is no God and these are just things that happen in the world, this is just nature taking its course, then the best response is to sort of say like, well, we can be troubled by suffering on a sort of human empathetic level. There's no deeper kind of cosmic significance that this should bother us. You know, this sort of thing shouldn't happen. Um, and it offends our sense of justice and propriety, we can say, like, no, why, why should it do that? Like, just get over it. This stuff happens. We try to alleviate suffering when we see it and protect against it, but there's no sort of deeper significance. But I think people's intuitions are actually like, no, this sort of thing should not happen. This is the kind of universe where these things should not happen. And I would say that is actually pointing us to something true about God. Right, because it's true that no one, no one knows anyone who has, you know, heard of a terrible tragic tsunami or any kind of evil and goes either oh i mean okay or says i'm fine with that yeah no <laughs> everybody's no, no. troubled by it so okay so you separate the two there's the your your believers in god and your non-believers just for this sake of this discussion yeah. those are the only two we're both in the same boat we're both troubled by it right yes nobody says i'm good with that and because of this so then where do we go from there so the, the, the fact that both believers and non-believers are troubled by it is actually a point in our favor uh, for uh, us on the, on the God team? On the God side, absolutely. Well, I, like there's a, a famous story of, I think it was Bertrand Russell and, and C.S. Lewis about this girl who was, this young girl who was dying of cancer. Right. And Bertrand Russell goes like, you know, what do you, believer, 
in God, Christian, have to say to this young girl who is innocent and through no fault of anyone, you know, just uh, just something happening biologically, um, she has a cancer that's going to kill her. What do you have to say? How can there be a good and loving and powerful God and this young girl is dying of cancer? And, you know, Lewis's response is, you know, what, what, you know, what do I have to say to her? What do you have to say to her? <laughs> yeah. What hope can you offer right. her in the face of this suffering, of this evil, of this wicked thing that's happening to her? Like, you say, I don't have anything to say. Actually, you have, like, less than nothing to say. It just happens. There is no hope. This will kill you. This will take you away. End of story. Right, the old cliche. Look, I'm sorry. We all die alone and afraid, knowing no one ever <laughs> truly loved us. Goodbye, kid. <laughs> yeah, I like... Mean, yeah, it's, it's troubling both ways. So... Uh, one of the, the the answers to this that I've heard is, or one of the challenges, I guess, is that they say that God hasn't stopped evil, but uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to, right? I mean, isn't that, that's built into the Christian story. God is dealing with evil. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's sort of God God has dealt and is dealing with it. Um, that there's sort of like the, the victory. When we look at, when we want to see how God deals with evil and suffering and sinfulness and brokenness, um, as Christians, we look at Jesus. So what, is, what does Jesus do with evil? He casts it out. What does he do with sin? He forgives it. What does he do with brokenness? He heals it. And so the Christian vision is that in Jesus we see the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God breaking into the world. And then we have this vision, um, here's a fancy word, an eschatological vision, meaning sort of looking at the, the future consummation of things, the, the summation, the end of history, the culmination of our story is maybe a better way to say it. And, and that victory that Jesus has achieved once and for all, is still working itself out. But at the consummation of all things, like this victory, this this defeat of evil and death and suffering and everything that's opposed to God will be achieved in its fullness and in its totality. And so we believe that this victory has occurred and is occurring and will occur. So what are we called to do in the face of it? In the meantime, between, you know, Jesus and, uh, you know, when he comes again, it is to you know resist evil, to fight against it, to try to make it right. Like we have been giving our given our marching orders and a, and a clear vision of what to do with evil. This is all heavy stuff, and I think that people may not. I promised a vision of evil through music, okay. and I want to I want to give people a, 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 an idea of what it is, and I'll explain this in a second. We'll we will play this little clip. This is evil personified. In case you were. You were confused about what evil is, or, right? Hey, right, it's too this, abstract. Yeah, yeah, this is nice, uh, a nice uh, sonic representation of evil, and then we'll get back to our discussion. All right, that sounds good. What devilry have you? Mike, what is this? Make it stop. Make it stop. Oh, no, I mean, you know, sometimes we have to look evil in the face. Sometimes we have to listen to evil. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Where did you find this dark, I, awful music? I used to listen to this. This is a piece by the composer George Crumb. Oh, listen. There's some... There's some demons oh, wailing, wailing from the depths of hell. They're tormenting us. <laughs> it's called uh, 13 Images from the Dark Land by a composer named George Crumb. And it was on this nice uh, album from the Kronos Quartet that had this beautiful string quartet. And then after that was over, 
this would come on and my wife and children would run from the other room and go, what is happening? What are you doing to us? It just like tore their ears apart. And I, I understand that. Yeah, but, absolutely. It's horrific. But I think it was used in like the exorcist and stuff because it's, uh, but yeah, 13 images from the dark land. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like insects flying out of hell or something like that. And it's just a, a, a string quartet amplified. So, okay. But, but there you go. That's it's evil. fun for the whole family, yeah. as Mike can attest to. I just wanted to make sure people knew what we were talking about with evil. So Evil is real. We are not playing around. When you hear, you cannot deny the existence, the reality of evil. That's a, right. a hellish evil. So have we solved that. the problem of evil, at least to the satisfaction of where were we in our discussion? So we're, I- I think that uh, I'll say this and then you chime in, um, that evil for me is not a problem to be solved. It's a reality. It's a force that is opposed to God that's to be existed. Now, um, we just finished reading with this group we're a part of called the Chestertonians, this wonderful book by G.K. Chesterton called The Man Who Was Thursday. Right. And there's this, um, like this, it's called a nightmare. That's the subtitle is a nightmare. So there's sort of like at the very end. So everything in it is very evil and it's shadowy. And, and the sense that, that you get, that Chesterton is giving you, is that they're looking at nature, but they're only seeing its backside, its dark side, its evil side. And then at the end, they get to see its front side. And so there's this question of why does nature, why does the world existence have a dark side, have a shadow side? And, and this is something that Chesterton was really interested in. And I think one of the most profound things that he says is its existence is like a riddle. Like he reads the book of Job. He loved the book of Job. Right. Because what is what is God's answer to Job after Job has suffered, you know, unjustly? Um, and Job's friends come in and they go, Job, listen, you're saying you're righteous. Like you haven't done anything wrong. Like give me a break. Everyone's screwed up. And Job goes, no, 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 no. And God's answer is this sort of very comical almost sense of were you there you know when i did this and that and and created things and so that that evil is a riddle its existence is a riddle and chesterton says that like the riddles of god are much more satisfying than the solutions of man and so i want to say that evil's existence is is a riddle it's i'd say an unsolvable problem it's something that only god knows the answer to but um, we say that evil is, you know, we live in a fallen universe. The Christian story begins almost with the fall. It begins with a good creation. And then immediately in chapter three, this, where evil comes from, we don't know, but it enters into the story. And so the rest of the rest of our story, the rest of our faith is how is God going to deal with this problem of evil that God has allowed his creation to have the possibility and potential to, to contain great evil but that God doesn't accept it and just sort of say like, well, this is going to be how things are now. God allows us to continue in this interim state where evil can have its reign, but that at the, our ultimate vision is of God vanquishing and doing away with evil. So we're in the time between the times and that's wholly consistent, I think with a good, gracious, loving and powerful God. Um, because we have the hope that in the end, all things will be made well. And right now we take our marching orders from him to oppose it. So I think that's where I am, at least. Right, and I and I think you stated it earlier, but restating it here that the fact that everyone rebels against this idea of it is just wrong that there are tidal waves and tsunamis that kill countries. If you were just a pure uh, materialist, that is, you just thought we were all just particles crashing together, and this is just an accident of that, there would be no objection. You would just go, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, sort of the stoic. More particles. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. What are you going to do about it? And the fact that 
uh, you do object to that, and I assume everyone we're talking to, yes. if, if not, you really need to get help, uh, <laughs> objects to the evil in the world. And you have to look at why you feel that sense of that. And Christianity does have the answer. It may not satisfy you, but, but Christians take it very seriously and and uh, and believe that God is in the process of solving it. So, yeah. Is that... uh, yeah, and that evil is not just a problem for us, but what we see in, in Scripture is that evil is a problem for God. It's a problem that God takes very seriously, so incredibly seriously that he enters into it in, in the you know person of his son to let evil do its worst to him. So God doesn't sort of, you know, set the universe in motion like this deist God winding the clock, step back, oh, tsunamis happen, you know, uh, awful, horrible things happen. No, God enters fully into it. And so um, there's this great book uh, called The Doors of the Sea. It's a really short book by a guy named David Bentley Hart, and it's kind of his response to the the tsunami of 2004. And, uh, you know, he has this wonderful line in there where he says, you know, what do we say, like, the most hopeful thing that we can hold on to as Christians is when, you know, you are holding the lifeless body of a, of a, say, a drowned child or a drowned baby, that you're not just, you know, seeing that child and that person, but you're looking at the face of Christ himself. And wow. that, to me, is profoundly moving and profoundly um, hopeful in the midst of what is real evil and suffering. Well, that is a heavy thought, and because of that, let's take a break. Let people digest that. Uh, we won't even play uh, 13 Images from the Dark Land again. Because <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that will hopefully be the only time you have to hear that in your life, unless you're interested. Then drop me an email, and I'll send you some more of those. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mike's dark, <laughs> dark Playlist from the Underworld. Right. So, all right, let's take a little break. We'll be back in just a moment on Like Trees Walking. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Like Trees Walking. Um, this is a very nice palate cleanser after that uh, devil music that Mike gave us. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, there's a couple things you could do that would really help us out. The first is uh, wherever, if you listen to it on iTunes or Google Play, just go to the store there, um, rate us, leave us a review. That helps other people find the podcast. Um, you can also find us on social media. There is a Like Trees Walking Facebook page, a Like Trees Walking Pod Twitter account that you can follow. And if you go to liketreeswalkingpod.com, uh, you can see all the episodes, you can see our bios, you can learn more about the podcast, and you can sign up for our fantastic email list where you get uh, special extra bonus content, pictures of Mike and me, uh, kombucha recipes, all those wonderful things. So you can sign up there, but thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Did you ever sing in in a big massed choir doing some of that stuff, like doing the Messiah or something at Christmas? Or um, when I was in seminary, actually, I was in the seminary singers, and that's a big choir, and we we actually sang this. Uh, we did some big choral, you know, choral type singing. Oh, did I, oh, we did like a Psalm twenty three. Did you get to just setting. belt it out in that that glory? I mean, can you imagine being in that choir and singing Gloria in excel? Like, how cool is that? But I was in a choir in college that was a good choir, and it was a, a legendary choir director. And I had always been in just, you know, 
a lame high school right, player, yeah, right? Yeah. And this guy was like a uh, he was a, he was one of those like fiery had like a big shock of white hair mm-hmm. and he would turn and point at you and go, "What are you singing?" And you used to, you know, he would just go one by one and isolate you and make you sing your part by yourself. Oh, my goodness. And I had never been. (laughs) And I was like this little, I went to college when I was 16. So I was like this little 16-year-old. You were 16 in college? (laughs) Yes. And he pointed at me and like, sing that part. And I, you know, just like croaked it out. He was like, stop. Next, you know, like I was that was my first exposure to that, but I, I loved seeing it. But it was only because I was between two guys who could actually, right, sing. right, right, and it felt like I was just I was belting it out to God Himself. And then it turns out I was kind of not what I thought I was, thanks to that choir director. But, but being that's just like life, man, you got to be between two people who know what they're doing, right? I was the uh, I was that Meryl Streep character who just sings her heart out and she's terrible. And nobody I don't cares. even know what you're talking about. It's a new movie, you it, new, I guess, since this is the podcast, it'll be new at the time that we're talking in about. the summer of 20 in July or <laughs> yeah, August right. of 2016. So all right. Well, we did that long uh, lead-in back to our last uh, segment here on Like Trees Walking. And in case we, we need to reset, I am Mike Nelson. I'm David Berge. And we were talking about the problem of evil. Let's sum that up. I think we... Didn't uh, we already sum it up? Well, we talked about sort of the aspects of it. Let's give something... Just give them a nugget to take away. Let's say you've never heard of the problem of evil. You've always assumed it was the problem. And then what is something to think about? Just give them a little nugget. The nugget is this. Digestible. Evil, digestible. You're, if you have an intuition that evil is real and it is terrible and horrible and ought to be resisted and vanquished from this world, that is a good thing. And that is actually evidence of a good and loving and gracious and powerful God. Um, and so what do we do with evil? With, apart from Christ, it's hard to know what to do with evil other than to shake our heads or, or throw up our hands. But with him, we have a clear directive of how we can name it and resist it and oppose it and be assured not of our own victory now but of his victory in the end that is a good nugget uh <laughs> i will give like them three nuggets i have my own but mine is probably not as hope mine is just what do we do with evil eh, despair okay. I don't know. <laughs> oh i'm just saying that is an option i don't think it it's is. a good one i'm just saying that is an option <laughs> all right <laughs> that's quite a nugget hey don't make me play 13 images uh, from the uh, dark land don't again. Don't threaten me with that. All right. Uh, David, I have a confession for you. Okay. Now you know it's a safe normally, place. It's a safe place. Let's look at how the... I'm going to give a little peek behind the curtain, how the sausage is made here okay. at LTW, as we call it. Uh, normally, before you come over for these podcasts, I prepare a nice little theme song to our quiz yeah. of the day, the lightning round. I, I always look forward that. to that, actually. And uh, I don't know, life interceded this time and i was okay. not able to do that okay. i do have a quiz and you will take this quiz however i do not have a theme song and in penance i i i, I told you beforehand i am willing to sing a theme song uh, acapella right now despite being shamed by my choir director in uh, my freshman year of college when i was well 16. i think i think that's the least you could do do it, Rocka. What was that on Carmen Sandigo? I never knew what they were saying, but it was like, "Do it, Rockefeller." Was that the name of the group? Oh, that sounds familiar. Yes. Do it, Rockefeller, and then they go, mm-bop. you know. So it's like, uh, I'm, Wait, why am I doing no, Wait a minute, Hanson was on. I'm, I'm conflating like the Carmen <laughs> Sandigo song with mm-bop. but they kind of started similar. Like, all right, so do it, Rockefeller. 
We have no theme song today, no theme song today, but next week we'll have a theme song. Yeah. How's that? Uh, you look very disappointed. I'm, I feel like your choir director. <laughs> you might, might have had a point. Next! Get up! Get yes. up! Wow, your hair turned white and stood on end, and you, wow, your face turned red. All right, well, that doesn't prevent you from playing our, uh, our lightning round. Oh. This is our new quiz format where you get to choose your own fate. I, I have here a lot of questions um, of all different sorts. And so uh, I'll give you a choice. You can either do the number system where you choose one through 100, or you can pick a category. I can name those categories. So choose the first. Uh, so do a number or a cat. Give me a category. All right. Categories are countries, films, gardening, sports, arts, history, books. This is like Trivial Pursuit, you know, where you want to like land on the particular one, but yeah. I get to choose where I land. Food and drink. And then when you get, if you get that one right... You uh, you can move on in the same category, but oh. if you get it wrong, you have to go pick another one. This is so complicated. Sports, sports, <laughs> sports, 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 Whoa, sports, 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 that... sports, sports. I did not expect that. All right, sports. Here is your first question, Mr. David. Gordon, All right. In the theme songless trivia challenge. <laughs> Doesn't have quite the same ring to it, but go. <laughs> what color jersey is worn by the winners of each stage of the Tour de France? Stage, uh, oh, stage winner. Oh, if Tour de France. I think it's the yellow jersey. I th- it's it's the yellow jersey. Oh no no, it's the orange jersey. Oh no, it's the blue jersey. <laughs> the red jersey. The red jersey. Final answer. It's the red jersey. <laughs> oh man, how did you talk yourself out of that six times? What is it? It is the yellow jersey. Oh, I thought that was like the overall leader and not the stage. Oh, well, man. what you thought is. Yeah, so you get that. Well, you were wrong. giving me that's that's like the wicked game show host giving the like the like no. You were giving me that face. Like, Was I? Is that, I don't think we have film of that. I don't, <laughs> listeners at home, did you see me doing <laughs> no, that? It was like it was like a don't do that. Don't. Which do that. means we're moving on to the the category of my choice. And okay. Then if you get this right, then you can. I choose. just choose. Okay, your, that's yeah, fun. So, uh, I'm choosing countries. Okay. Which is the only American state to begin with the letter P? Pennsylvania. Like state of the United States of America? Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah. For, for the listener, I'm staring at him now. And he's and he's again giving me like a shaming like, yeah, you're stupid look. No, yeah, so it's is Pennsylvania. That, that final That's my answer. answer. Yeah. That is correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you get to choose your own category. Uh, yeah. Arts and leisure, please. Did I, did I say there was arts? No, you There's didn't. no arts and leisure. There is an arts, though. Okay. Arts. Here we go. Name. Oh, no, I'm not going to give you that one. Name That's that my too. prerogative. Okay. I in needlework, what does UFO refer to? In needlework. In needlework? What does UFO refer to? I'm That's... getting really close to the mic. Thanks for that in question, UFO Mike. UFO um, to... Under? You're looking at me. I'm giving you no under, clue doing the dead. Under for over. Under for over. That's it. Under yeah. for over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needleworkers out there, please feel free to send in your derisive comments to... Uh, Mr. Berge. No, it is an unfinished object. So I get to choose again. Okay. We'll do a couple more of these. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go books. All right. Books. I've, I've read some. There, there's a lot of books in the world, so this is a pretty broad-reaching subject. What is the oldest surviving printed book in the world? The oldest surviving. And if you give the date... <laughs> 
I'd give you an extra point. Like printed that. book. So we're, we're saying this is, yeah, so it's not like a biblical manuscript. It's a, it's a printed book. Oh, man. And it's not on Kindle, Dave. <laughs> oh, man. You millennial, you. Oh, man. Oh, this it's... is so hard. Uh, I'm going to say that it is, uh, it's, it's uh, the, 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 the Bible, the Wycliffe Bible. That is incorrect. So there's, wait, before I answer the question, there's one before the Gutenberg Bible? No. <laughs> Isn't well, the Gutenberg Bible is widely, that was just the most yeah, like, widely yeah. distributed. Yeah. So when they're talking about printed, are they talking about? Like the printing press? Printed press? That's what that's I thought a, was the printing press. I wasn't thinking. That's what I assumed. What is the oldest surviving printed book? Yeah. What is As it? opposed to written book? Yeah. Because, I mean, there's, you know, so surviving, like, codices or manuscripts of yeah, the Bible. Yeah, so therefore we have some controversy around this question. Well, <laughs> would you give me like the answer that they give you so we could discuss The answer the is the Diamond Sutra dated at 868 AD. I guess they had But like, maybe so we'd have to define book. Does that mean like leaves yeah, bound together? They did have like block type in China, right? Before the like, all right, look, let's just get rid of this question <laughs> and let's give you another one in substitution because okay. of the confusion surrounding this. Thank you. Uh, and I'm sure there are book experts out there just yelling at us, going, "You idiots!" Uh, which Shakespeare play features Shylock? There. Oh, uh, the Merchant of Venice. That is correct. Uh, let's do one more question in which you get to choose your own category. All right. Well, uh, let's do um, uh, gardening, flowers, right? Was that one of them? Uh, I believe gardening was one of them. Uh, the sheet may have been taken by my producer. Oh, uh, well, what? give it back. Oh, there it is, gardening. Okay, okay thank you, it. thank you. All right. Thank you, producer. Jim, go get yourself a, a soda pop. <laughs> yeah. There's no producer in the room. It's just us. All right. Uh, <laughs> what is the name? What? Let me start again. Okay. Reset. By what name is Lancelot Brown most usually known? Most usually known? <laughs> what, a, what a great question, Mike. What, by what name is Lancelot Brown most usually known? Tan. No, I'm sorry. This is the problem you get into when you take gardening questions. I don't even know what this <laughs> Why means. Why did you have that as a category? It's in my questions. You could have avoided it. You I, had the choice. I just thought maybe it'd be interesting, which I was obviously wrong about. It's, he's more usually known by Capability Brown. What is it? Not Encyclopedia Brown, yeah, but Ca Capability Brown. His much less popular older Bro brother, Capability, capability Brown. Brown. <laughs> I'm not saying they're good capabilities, I, I, but I have a capability. <laughs> Encyclopedia, and Brown. <laughs> Encyclopedia Brown is solving mysteries. Capability Brown is like, I made a sandwich successfully. I guess so. So, gardeners, I'm sure you're getting all excited by our reference to Capability Brown. Keep that in mind. Well, I think that's been a very successful trivia round, Mike. Well, uh, so you didn't have a theme song, and you asked me a question oh, whose you. answer was Capability Brown. How dare I hope you. next episode there is a little bit more effort and improvement put into it. All right, how about this? Next episode, you get to ask me the questions. Oh, the tables. Do you want to go there? Yeah, the tables here's are a, Here's a little Lazy Susan we're spinning it around on you and we'll do that next time on like trees walking today we talked about the problem of evil hopefully you got something out of that um but a good quiz round 
Yeah, very capable. Really strong. Very strong. (laughs) And folks, I do hope that uh, you are not haunted in your nightmares by the um, Dark Angels um, music. Sometimes our podcasts are a little rough and rugged. I'm sorry. All right. We'll, We'll see you next time for a smoother podcast of Like Trees Walking. So long. So long. The tables are empty The dance floor's deserted You play the same love song It's the tenth time you've heard it That's the beginning Just one of the clues You've had your first lesson In learning the blues The cigarettes you light 